0: X-Ray FM at KXRY Portland and KQAC HD Portland at 107.1 and 91.1 FM. Streaming online everywhere at x FM.
1: This is Everything is Interesting, the show where we have fun with science and with you. I'm Kira Kleenberg. And I'm Kira Lindenberg. Joining us today is science enthusiast and all-around awesome human being, <laughs> Emily Gilliland. It's great to see
2: you, Emily. Oh, it's great to see you, too. Science enthusiast.
1: <gasps> <gasps> <That's true. laughs> I'm so excited.
0: We're going to give you a little badge, like a um, like a Girl Scout badge. I'm already thinking of a tattoo and a Yeah, it's going
1: to have like <laughs> the science things of your choice. Beakers, test tubes, whatever.
0: By the way, hey, listeners, other science enthusiasts out there, if you have science questions or science comments, you can text us at 971-220-KXR why that's 971-220-5979 we would love to hear
1: from you yeah and we might even read your text on the show Ooh, then you'll be famous this is number two in our two-part series all about that quintessential machine the bicycle
0: in part one we found out about how a bicycle takes the energy we put in via pedaling and multiplies it helping us to generate lots of speed with minimal effort
1: And in this episode, we'll explore how we construct our bikes and our gear to better deal with those environmental forces that seek to slow us down, like gravity and air resistance.
2: Ugh, gravity. I mean, give us a break, will ya? You're really (laughs) bringing us down.
1: Seriously. It really, it just (laughs) won't quit, will
2: it? You're on fire with those jokes today. (laughs) No,
0: it really doesn't quit. The Earth is exerting gravitational force on you and everything around you all the time.
1: Period. And since gravity and mass are directly related, the heavier, heavier your bike and the stuff on your bike, the greater the effect gravity will have on you as you ride.
0: Which is great when you, you know, you're, say, riding downhill because you're moving down and towards the center of the Earth. So you're riding with the pull of
2: gravity. It's working in your favor to give you a boost. So more weight is great when I'm going downhill. Because I can rely on gravity to do more of the work for me. Yeah.
1: In simple terms, yes. There, There is more going on that affects your speed when you're coasting down a hill, but we, we won't go into that physics just now.
2: Okay. But if, if I'm riding uphill, I imagine any extra weight will become a burden. Oh, my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. Riding uphill mm-hmm. means
0: more work for you because you have to put in extra energy to fight against the pull of gravity.
1: And since we unfortunately do not live in an M.C. Escher painting... Going uphill is an inevitable part of pretty much each and every ride. And since we don't live in a Salvador Dali painting
0: either, there's nothing we can do to change or lessen the intensity of the Earth's gravity to suit our uphill-downhill situations. I really wish we could.
1: Wouldn't that be which, cool? Which painting we were, like,
0: would you rather live in?
1: Bing! Gravity, less force. <laughs>
0: would you rather live in the world where, like, you can go up or downhill forever and ever, or would you rather live in the world where, like, clocks melt?
2: Oh, you're asking me uh, to choose? That is a huge Float. question for 8.05 in the morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love science,
2: art, it's all I here and everything is way. interesting. It's all one and
1: everything is interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to choose. I'm just going to let our listeners Both. imagine uh-huh. what I might choose. Both
0: long elephant's world.
1: (laughs) All right. Here's the lucky thing for us, though. Since also, since we said mass and gravity are directly related, we can reduce the effects gravity has on us simply by reducing the overall mass of our bikes. Basically, you make it lighter and going up a hill will be easier. But
0: can I make my bike too light? Hmm only if the loss in weight compromises the strength of your bike. It won't matter how easy that hill is to climb if the frame of your bicycle breaks in half midway through your ride. That'd
1: make it tough. And finding a balance between light and strong material it's pretty tricky. So su- super light materials, like most plastics out there, they don't really have the strength to hold us up without cracking. But super strong materials, like most metals, they're often also really heavy.
2: So my current bike frame is made of steel. Compared to some of my friends' bikes, it's definitely a little clunkier. Yeah.
1: Well, steel
0: has been one of the most popular materials to make bike frames out of for a long time. And that's because it's densely packed with molecules. So it's strong and durable. And it's also not terribly expensive. But all those densely packed molecules make steel pretty heavy
1: aluminum is another option it's a little bit lighter Uh, the aluminum molecules have a much lower density they're 2.8 grams per cubic centimeter as opposed to the 7.8 grams per cubic centimeter of steel that's crazy but aluminum is much more brittle than steel and so it's not as resilient often you only get about five years of lifespan out of an aluminum frame and after that you might start to see warping or even cracking which results from the damage and fatigue your frame has endured as you ride
0: to get a feel for what this is like if If you punched a hole through a steel wall, the rest of the wall would retain its integrity, right? Like the wall would keep standing. But if you punched a hole through an aluminum wall, it's just a matter of time before it crumples like an empty beer can. On
1: your forehead after a party, right? Are you
0: crushing aluminum walls at parties? No, no, no. no, no. The
2: beer can. The beer can. <laughs> I was like, man. I go to great parties. I go to, I go Obviously. To great parties. So steel is heavy but sturdy, and aluminum is light but not as durable. Neither seems like the best option for my bike frame.
1: Well, if you have the extra cash and you want the best of the best material, frames made from carbon fiber, those are the ways to go. It's carbon fiber
0: is so cool. We'll probably just have to do like a whole show on it one day. But for now, here's a short
1: explanation. It has a lot of applications. So a carbon fiber, uh, I can't say it. A carbon Carbon fiber. fiber frame is constructed out of basically regular old plastic. But that plastic has an extra component in it. Special woven fabric that's embedded directly into it.
0: This fabric kind of looks like the mesh material that you make window screens out of, but it's made from millions of interwoven strands
2: of pure carbon. carbon. And carbon. Those strands of carbon are hecka strong. So you know carbon is strong. Carbon and strong do not really go together in my mind. I mean take pencil lead, for example. It's made from a form of carbon, right? Yeah, and not lead, which is confusing. Yeah, it's pure carbon, actually. We call it graphite. Okay, well, I remember endlessly sharpening number two pencils back in grade school mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the pencil lead was forever breaking. So... What's different that makes the carbon fiber mesh so much stronger than a carbon and like pencil lead?
1: Ah, okay. It's, it's actually the, the pencil lead not being strong. It's kind of an illusion. It's the graphite stick in your pencil is actually pretty tough. It just appears to break easily because of the way the graphite is layered. So each graphite stick in a pencil is basically made of lots and lots of one atom thick sheets of carbon. And all those sheets are stacked on top of each other. And those sheets are pretty easy to separate. So the carbon sheets are what we actually leave behind on the paper when we use the graphite pencils to write by the
0: way we just got a really great text humans are also made of carbon and are notoriously squishy yes that's a really good point thank you listener <laughs> so
1: <laughs> but have you tried to tear us apart count <laughs> counterpoint don't do point that counterpoint don't go this is not <laughs> a science experiment to try, try to don't pull don't your go, friends apart don't, in the <laughs> name of science don't kill your friends so
0: okay so if you've got those sheets of carbon and you can like zoom in on one What you're going to see is that the carbon atoms naturally arrange themselves into rings. And then all these rings bond together to form like a flat honeycomb style pattern. In this arrangement,
1: each ring is molecularly bonded to six other rings, one on every side. And it's very difficult to separate a molecule from six other molecules. So this sheet of carbon is extremely strong. It can stretch and it can bend and it it can even wave like a flag, but it's nearly impossible to break those bonds between the rings of carbon apart with sheer force. So now, imagine taking a few of these one-atom thick carbon sheets,
0: stacking them together, and then rolling it all into like an unbroken tube like a straw. You now have yourself a carbon fiber thread, and that can be interwoven with other carbon fiber threads to create a carbon fiber fabric that's both incredibly flexible and incredibly strong.
1: So a bicycle frame made from this carbon fiber fabric will absorb shocks with ease, and it also can't really be dented. And even if the plastic it's embedded in cracks, well, the carbon fiber fabric inside will be completely intact, and that leaves room to repair the plastic without losing the frame.
2: Whoa! There must be a lot of engineering that goes into making carbon fiber. I can see why these bikes cost so much.
0: Yeah, but they last a really long Mm. time, so it's worth the money if you can afford
1: it. And it's also they're really light too. Have you ever lifted one? It's so light, like a feather. It's like, yeah. Okay, but here's something to consider, guys. No matter the strength of the material that you make your frame out of, it won't matter unless the shape of your frame is up to the challenge of holding up your big, squishy human body. Whoa, so so why does shape matter?
0: Emily, you ask all the best questions. (laughs) It's almost as if you're trying to lead us into the next section. So the most weight-efficient way to make a strong three-dimensional structure is to build a frame like that of a house.
1: But... Sitting on top of a 3D cube-like, house-like frame is not exactly a great bicycle design because, you know, you want your legs to be able to reach the pedals on either side, right? A two-dimensional
0: square would make things more comfy, you know, as far as sitting on top of goes, but it would lack the stability and the strength of its 3D counterpart because the 2D square wouldn't hold its shape when you sat on it.
1: Imagine you're building a 2D shape out of four popsicle sticks, and they're all the same length because you, you know, got them out of the same four kinds of four popsicles. Chocolate. Chocolate ones. They were chocolate (laughs) popsicles. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yes. All right. So you can arrange those popsicle sticks as a square. Or you can arrange them as a parallelogram. Or you can make a really, really, really squished down flattened parallelogram. I mean, there are so many shapes these four sticks can bend into. Because a four-sided two-dimensional shape can have countless different angles at each one of its corners. Not
2: exactly what you want in a bike frame. A squishy parallelogram bike. (laughs) No,
0: but let's say you only have three popsicle sticks. Then guess what? You can only arrange them in one way, a triangle with 60 degree angles at each corner. Unless you separate the sticks or break one clean in half, the corners of your triangle will always stay the same shape. Even if you had popsicle sticks of different lengths, the angles of the corners are still predetermined. You can't change the angles without changing the length of the sides, so it's impossible to
1: deform a triangle. Because the triangle is the most stable of all simple two-dimensional shapes. Because it's the only geometric form that will hold its shape when under pressure from any side. It makes for Mm -hmm. a really great bike frame design.
2: I see. If I had a square frame, I could squish it into a parallelogram pretty easily. But if I had a triangular bike frame, even try to smash it with all my body weight, it will retain its angles and therefore its shape. Precisely. And what this means for your bike is that when a force is
1: applied to one corner of your triangular frame, like the weight of your body on the point where your seat is attached, then the force will be pretty evenly distributed throughout the entire frame, which is then evenly supported by both your wheels. So if your triangle-shaped bike frame is properly welded, of course, that's important too, um, then that makes for one incredibly strong load-bearing bike.
2: Just thinking about my own bike, and I was about to say that my frame is actually in the shape of a diamond, but now that I think about it, it's just two triangles back to back (laughs) two
0: triangles back to back
2: give this woman a prize (laughs) double the triangular strength that's really cool Mm -hmm. we think it is
0: hey science fans Kira here not both of us just one of us we didn't meld into the same person I promise anyway I've got some very cool news everything is interesting has started a Patreon page Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for Kira and I to gain financial support to help us make this show by donating a few dollars each month you can help us up our production game expand the scope of our topics and create even more content for you our listeners and guess what else depending on how much you choose to support us each month we'll give you access to bonus mini episodes deleted content the originally composed music we use on the show and everything is interesting stickers and t-shirts there are actually really cool I have people stop me all the time and ask where they can get the t-shirt who have never even heard of the show before they're really awesome and if you decide to become a top-tier donor we might even invite you to be on everything is interesting But most importantly, your funds will help us reach more listeners, expanding enthusiasm for science and science education in our community. To become a science supporter, visit patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com backslash everything is interesting. Thank you so much for supporting us and for supporting science. And now on with the show.
1: If you're just joining us, this is Everything is Interesting with Kira. And Kira. And our guest is Emily Gilliland. Hi. Hi, Emily. Hello. We're smack in the middle of our second episode about bicycles. We've discussed how to fight gravity by making the frames lightweight and strong, and now we're going to explore how to fight air resistance. And don't forget, you can always text us in during the show at 971-220-KXRY or 971-220-5979.
0: Ah, air resistance. The enemy of movement. Indeed. Tell us, Emily, have you ever
1: tried
2: to wade through a ball pit? Oh, yeah. I mean, lots of afternoons at the McDonald's play place. As, High five. A, as a child I did slash that. adult yeah, slash part. now
1: I don't even think about how dirty that was now because it was just the <laughs> memories are so good oh, another episode the, the red, red th- ones the blue ones yeah. the green ones the uh, yellow ones that was the colors i think yeah. <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> the, ball
0: y- the yellow ones had the most diseases <laughs> another for another episode potentially
1: <laughs> all right well wading across that ball pit that's a lot harder than just walking across an empty room isn't it And that's because every step that you take in this ball pit of diseased balls, (laughs) it's more like a kick. You have to expend all this extra energy just to push all those plastic balls out of your way.
2: Right. I mean, I prefer to walk through an empty room where there's nothing in the way of my kick steps. Well, except there is. Turns
0: out, even in an empty room, there are plenty of particles to move out of the way. Oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, water vapor. Well, you can't see them. They are there, and you're constantly running into
1: them. And just like it takes energy to kick aside all the plastic balls in the ball pit, your body has to do quite a lot of work in order to push all of that stuff in the air out of the way. Especially when you're trying to move through it very quickly, like when you're zooming around on your bicycle. Zoom. You're battling against
0: air resistance, and man, can it slow you down. But there is a way to reduce the effects of air resistance, and that's to become more aerodynamic.
1: Hooray! Aerodynamic! Hopefully, being aerodynamic will help you move faster than that. Another prize for you Emily. Uh, th- so the most aerodynamic of objects have shapes and textures that basically make it easier for the air to move around them.
0: You see it with everything that's designed to move fast. Sleek planes, bullet trains, cars, speed boats. And you see it in nature. The way birds tuck their wings to dive quickly to catch prey
1: and the, the streamlined look of fish making its way through uh, dense water molecules. And for the last 30 years or so, cyclists have also been experimenting with how to use aerodynamics to achieve more speed. So let's first explore how air resistance actually slows you down, and then we'll explore what aerodynamic design does to try and oppose it.
0: To start with, every air particle you come in contact with acts upon you to create direct friction. In the simplest terms, this means that each molecule sticks a little to the surface of your body or your bike because of the weak attraction forces that naturally occur between most atoms but it up over the billions of particles you'll
2: come in contact with while riding your bike, direct friction can really slow you down. I imagine you have to exert more energy to overcome all this direct friction and, like, and to keep moving. Right, mm-hmm.
1: yes. But there is even more to air resistance than just friction. When you're cycling, you also have to contend with the way the air flows around you and how that flow affects the pressure in front and behind you. Unlike balls in the ball pit,
0: Air molecules in the atmosphere have plenty of space between them. So, when you smack into them and push them all together, they become condensed, creating what we call an area of high pressure.
1: And because those molecules in the high pressure area in front of you are busy being sort of squished up, then less of them have been able to flow around you. And this automatically creates a pocket of less dense air behind you. And we call this less compressed pocket of air an uh, area of low pressure. The compressed, high-pressure pocket of air in front of you is pushing
0: on you, while the sparsely populated, low-pressure pocket behind you is
1: literally sucking you backwards. <laughs> this is referred to as air pressure drag. It, it seems dramatic. I know it's it's crazy, but consider that this is the same thing that's happening inside your regular old boring vacuum cleaner. So inside your vacuum, it's a fan that's pushing air upwards, and this leaves the low, like sort of less dense area, low-pressure area behind the fan. And it's that low-pressure area that naturally draws things like the dirt from your carpet up into the vacuum.
2: So every time I'm riding my bike, I'm being sucked backwards into space by an invisible vacuum of my own making? Uh, Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. This is crazy. I mean, this suddenly makes riding my bike even more exciting. (laughs) So what if the air is moving straight at me, like when there's a strong headwind? Does this make the area... I mean, the area in front of me have an a, a, even higher pressure now. Will that make the air pressure drag even worse?
1: Yeah, headwind sucks. <laughs> yes, um, <it> does. <laughs> as we all know who ride bikes, uh, in the case of a headwind, the molecules of air, they're not only in your way. They're also exerting a force back onto you because they're moving at you. And this is counterproductive to your movement forward. Basically, if you already have to expend energy to plow
0: through stationary air molecules, then you're going to have to spend more energy to move molecules that are
2: hurtling towards you with their own velocity. And just to say again what you said, Kira, air resistance really
1: sucks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, it really sucks. <laughs> just like your vacuum. That's, that was the whole point of this show.
1: Oh, there's more, though. There's this thing that happens called Turbulence.
0: See, in a perfect world, each thin layer of air that flows over the surface of a moving object, which is known as the boundary layer, would glide smoothly like a well-oiled kid on a
1: slip and slide. This type of perfectly smooth movement of air is called laminar flow. But unfortunately, bicycles and their riders, well, we're all kind of covered in all these tiny nooks and crannies. Speak for yourself.
0: (laughs) I'm very smooth.
1: I gotta pause. Surprise! I'm made of plastic. As, so as the air flows along and curves around you and your bicycle, all of these irregular surfaces, unless you're Kira, cause the molecules to twist and spin around each other in a tiny tornado-like fashion. And what you end up with is all of these turbulent molecules stuck in the low pressure area behind you. And of course, you have to use energy to fight and
2: stabilize yourself in the face of all these turbulent molecules. Okay. So air molecules create friction, air pressure drag, and turbulence, all of which slow you down. Yeah, it's a cruel
1: world out there.
2: (laughs) But aerodynamic
1: engineering can help. Right. So to fight turbulence, you can do your best to change the shape of the parts of your bike to more closely resemble a what's called a forked blade. It looks like an elongated teardrop turned on its side.
0: You know, it's like those helmets that professional bicycle wear, racers wear. You guys have seen those, right? Yeah, yeah. they're like they super look, they look futuristic so cool. So the round end faces forward because round is the best shape for generating smooth laminar flow of air. While the tapered end points towards the back, which is best for minimizing turbulent swirling of molecules when they rejoin at the end of the journey around your head.
1: This sideways teardrop is also the same general shape of the wing of an airplane. It's rounded at the front and tapered at the back. Check that out if you're sitting at the seat next to the uh, next to the wing. You can kind of see it. It's convenient.
0: <laughs> and look at the wing and say, thank you so much, because this ride would be a lot more turbulent yeah, if nobody had invented turbulent. you. And bike frames are constantly being updated to have sleeker front profiles to lessen overall drag and to be made of the smoothest possible materials to lessen
1: friction. But we'll be honest, a truly aerodynamic frame is actually very tough to achieve. There's a lot going on. Since air flows over every piece of the bike, if you say make one part of it more aerodynamic, it may actually end up causing more turbulent air to flow over a different part. Or a host of other unpredictable things can happen. Not to mention that no matter what you do to your bike and your bike frame, there are still lots of oddly shaped and moving parts on your body. (laughs)
2: So I see your point, no matter how aerodynamic your bike frame and your helmet are, even if you're covered in know like it, it, even if you cover your skin in like vaseline, or if you're made of plastic, your body parts are still going to stick out in weird, very unaerodynamic ways. Right,
1: you got all these arms and these legs., God, and these I got all these arms. And, I mean you're not really like you don't look like a teardrop. I can say that again can speak for
2: yourself. No, no, no. I'm a plastic teardrop. Can you adjust your position on a bike to help make your actual body more aerodynamic? Yeah, absolutely. Crouching low on a
0: bike and tucking your limbs closely together decreases the surface area of your body that can smack into oncoming air molecules. So the tighter you tuck, the more aerodynamic you become. But here's the shoe
1: drop, everybody. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Just because this tucked position can make you more aerodynamic doesn't actually mean it will make you go any faster. Okay, wait. What? Why? Well, it has to do with body mechanics.
0: As you change the angle of your torso and your shoulders while you're riding a bike, you also change your muscles' range of motion. Tuck too low and you'll put your leg and torso muscles in an awkward position, one that reduces the amount of pedaling power you're able to generate.
1: According to researchers at the University of Canterbury, New Zealand, the most efficient bike riding position is to find a sort of balance. You maintain a low torso angle in your tuck, but you keep your shoulders at a medium angle, and that'll keep your muscles working at the most efficient.
2: Medium tuck. So what about drafting? I've heard it helps you go faster, but I don't understand how it works does riding behind another biker help you fight air resistance
0: yeah Uh, drafting drafting drafting. is so cool so okay drafting or some people call it slipstreaming. it's really neat and it's kind of sneaky when you pull up very close to the cyclist in front of you their body essentially blocks the oncoming air molecules instead of hitting you straight on they hit the lead biker and then they flow around and kind of past you so how close
2: is close enough?
1: I, I read that the farthest you can be from someone and still benefit from being in their slipstream is about 10 feet. So the closer you get, the better the
2: effect gets.
0: Up until the point that you're literally touching them. Yeah, and don't then. crash into them
2: <laughs> then. Bad <laughs> for both of you. Yes, please put space in for breaking. Right. Um, so when you draft, you make the leader do all the work of pushing through the air and you reap the benefits. That is very sneaky.
0: Yeah, though if you're riding with a buddy, you might as well do it. Drafting doesn't slow the lead bike down, and not drafting doesn't make a difference in how much air they have to push through to move forward. Though if you, you know, want a good thing to last, you should probably be kind and trade off which one of you is in front doing
1: the work occasionally. And if you get a chance, try riding with a whole pack of bikes. There are studies suggesting that being the rider behind the rider in the slipstream, so like the third guy behind Two other people, it's even more beneficial than just being behind one person. And also, apparently, if you can somehow find yourself surrounded on all sides by other bikes, you'd actually be in the best position. You'd be like a penguin in the cold, right? Because <laughs> you would,
2: you would also sure, be, yeah. you would,
1: you would not only be protected from the headwinds and you know all the air molecules in front of you, but all those sideways crosswinds that are coming at you.
0: Oh, I see. The I other see. Bicycles,
1: you'd be in like your own. I was like safe. like a penguin. Yeah, you you know like when the penguins huddle in Antarctica against the wind. Against the wind. And so the ones in the center are against warmer the and wind. they like rotate through because they're you know, <laughs> they want yeah, they to they live the winds.
0: If you're very if you're the very center of a bike pack, you're warm and you're
1: and you're,
2: you're happy. And safe and you're from safe from crosswinds
1: and you can yell out to the world, I am a penguin and <laughs> no one will understand what you mean by that.
2: <laughs> All the fans of everything is interesting will understand. Babel,
1: that's yes. right. You'll that's be in the babel. know. This is why you should listen to the show, so would, you can be in the know for things like this. I would like a shirt
0: that just says, I am a penguin. There's a lot of cool research going on to determine how the arrangement of moving objects helps to make the whole team more efficient. It might even help explain why flocks of birds and schools of fish and apparently groups of... What's a group of penguins called?
1: Well, they're kind of birdfish, so... so. <laughs>
0: There are and groups,
1: groups of birdfish
0: benefit from moving in such tightly knit groups.
1: Forget for I said that about the penguins. I don't think that they show like uh,
2: fish. Yeah, scratch,
1: the same. scratch that. I, I want
0: one that says I am a birdfish. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, neat! <laughs> yeah. All
1: right, I I love bikes so much that I could just keep talking about the science behind them forever. But sadly, we are out of time.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. If you missed the first episode of this two-parter on bike science, you can find it and all episodes of Everything Is Interesting on iTunes, Google Play, and all other podcast sites. And of course, you can. <laughs> Sorry, it says podcast Emily sites, <laughs> and I don't I'm know a verb. what that means. <laughs> I've become a verb. I'm so excited. I'm I, don't, I don't know if you wrote that as a joke that I was supposed to read. Nope. That okay. was an accident. Okay. Sometimes
1: things happen on the unscripted Everything is Interesting. Yeah, we've never
0: we don't script this. It's all off the top of our heads. Go to the podcast Emily sites. You know what? You'll find us there and you can always
1: go to everything is uh, Also, did you know that Everything is Interesting has been on X-Ray for almost two years now? It's in, true. In fact, this is our 61st episode. That is so crazy. Uh, and we make this show for all of you you guys for free because we love science we love community radio and we love you our community members if this show has in any way enriched your
0: life or brightened your day and you'd like to show us some love back please download rate and review the show on itunes and most importantly tell three friends to do the same it would help us more than you could ever know
1: also check out our patreon page we've got one of those too emily thank you so much for being here we absolutely love doing science with you
0: and i with you (laughs) And of course, thank you to our
1: mega talented producers.
0: You guys are the best. Hi. And hey, you know what? I'd like to dedicate this episode to my friend, John Schulte, lover of science and
1: all around great human. It's an honor to know you, man. For now, I'm Kira. And I'm also Kira. This is Everything is Interesting right here on X Ray, where radio is yours. Bye. do i'm half crazy all for the love of you it won't be a stylish marriage i can't afford a carriage but you'll look sweet upon the seat of a bicycle built for two